Common Sense. It's not so common anymore. That's why we need Scott Inez more than ever. It's time for Inez Says. Hey there, I welcome you back to the Inez Says Podcast. I am Scott Inez. Thanks so much for being here today. You can find the podcast all over the place. You can find it right there on the front page of the WDBO app. You can also find it in Spotify, Apple Podcasts as well. And join me for Orlando's Morning News with Scott Inez every weekday morning on WDBO 107.3 FM and AM 580. Be sure to stream us right there in the WDBO app. Well, earlier this week, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. got so fed up with the Democrat Party that he left it. Of course, the Kennedy name has long been associated with the donkey, hearkening back to the days of his uncle John Kennedy winning the White House in 1960 and his father, Attorney General under JFK, RFK Sr. But Jr. this week became an independent presidential candidate. He made a campaign stop here in Orlando this week, and I got to spend some time with him on Orlando's Morning News with Scott Inez on Friday morning. Mr. Kennedy, I, I hope I didn't interrupt your morning workout. Good morning, sir. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. I'm really happy to be here. Well, I, earlier in the week, I know you gave the heave-ho to the Democrat Party, sir, and, and became an independent running for president. And then I know you and your family have a long history with the Democrat Party, albeit a party that looks a little bit different today than when your dad and your uncle were at their political height. Why leave the party to become an independent? Well, it became clear to me during the uh, during the primary process that the DNC would not allow me to fairly compete. They were changing rules to make it, for example, that if I stepped into the state of Iowa, which I, I already did, or New Hampshire, that all the votes that I got in those states would not count for me. And they made about 60 other rules that made it virtually impossible for anybody to run against the president. So I, uh, it became clear to me during that process that the people who were calling the shots at the DNC with the large corporate donors who now control both parties and that Americans, you know, 63% of Americans now feel that. They don't want the choices that are offered by either the DNC or the Republican Party, mm-hmm. and that there was room for a for another voice that was not part of this kind of ideological tribalism that is polarizing our country in ways that I think are more dangerous than at any time since the American Civil War. You mentioned that Pew Research poll released a few weeks ago. I think the number was 68 percent of Americans said that they would like more political parties to choose from. And, uh, sir, I hear it every day on the open mic here on WDBL. People, they're frustrated. They're salty. They're angry. They want people who are going to rail against the machine right now that looks so huge that people don't know what to do. So are, are you hoping to kind of tap into that frustrated feeling around the country by going independent? What I'm finding around the country is that, you know, we're I'm running against two presidents who are both saying that they brought tremendous prosperity to this country. But, you know, I'm sitting at kitchen tables with people, which I've done for many, many years because I represent people in, in litigation against large corporations that have harmed them, that have polluted the environment. And I'm seeing a deterioration in the middle class in this country like I've never seen before. 
I'm watching Americans make choices. 57% of Americans can't put their hands on $1,000 if they have an emergency. And for people who are in that situation, if the engine light goes on in their car, it's the apocalypse. It's like they can see the future. They can see their lives circling the drain. They're not going to be able to afford the mechanic. They're going to lose the car. They'll lose their job because they can't get to work, and they'll end up on the sidewalk, we have this exploding number of homeless in this country. 35% of Americans are on the verge of, of losing their homes. And uh, housing prices are now out of reach. Housing prices have gone up, Scott, from 215000 two years ago to 400000 today. And the interest rates have gone from 3 to 7%. And a lot of that is driven by three giant companies, BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard, that already own 88% of the S&P 500. And they're now targeting single-family homes in this country. And, you know, single-family homes are the basis of the American economy. That when we put Americans in homes after World War II, it drove 50 years of prosperity, where the American middle class became the greatest economic engine in the history of mankind. And now we're going in the other direction. We're going in the direction of becoming a nation of renters. And that happens to us. We become subjects rather than citizens. And, uh, you know, those companies, and we're on track now to have between 40 and 60% of single-family homes in this country owned by corporations within six years. That is a colonial model. It's a, it's an aristocratic, it's a feudal model where the landlords own the, own the, own the property, own everything, and the rest of us become renters. And it's part of the, this, this economic deterioration, the deterioration in public health, the rise in chronic disease uh, that are all driven by the corporate capture of our, our agencies. And, you know, I've spent 40 years suing those agencies. I know how to unravel corporate capture. I know how to give the American government back to the American people. You talk about the shrinking middle class, sir. I think one of the reasons why Donald Trump is so very popular on the GOP side is that people love his independence, that he's not corrupted by the system, by Wall Street, big pharma lobbyists. People are sick and tired of that stuff. I know you see it and hear it every day. But Trump is a guy who says he's going to go in and, and drain the swamp. Are you an independent version of Donald Trump? Well, I think I, you know, I, I think uh, President Trump meant well when he went to Washington. But he, 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 I think he got he got rolled by his bureaucracy. He got, you know, he knew better than to lock down the country for two years. He was not able to stand up to his bureaucracy, and we closed. He closed 3.3 million businesses. 41% of the black-owned businesses will never reopen. Um, and we shifted four trillion dollars north from the American middle class to a new aristocracy of billionaires. We created President Trump in the 500-day lockdown created a billionaire a day. So, and he said that he was, was going to drain the swamp, but, he, but then he brought in John Bolton to run the NSA, who is the swamp, and he brought in Scott Gottlieb, who is 
Pfizer's partner to run FDA, and uh, Scott Lieb did an $88 billion favor for Pfizer and then went and joined the board. So that is like the definition of swan, and that happened in every agency. Oh, I won't let that happen. I know how to stand up to the bureaucracy. You know, my uncle, when he was president in, in 1962, he, he had 13 members of the XCOM committee, who were the committee that was advising him on the Cuban Missile Crisis. All, 11 of 13 members told him he had to go invade Cuba if he, and, and fire at the, at the missile emplacements. If he had done that, we now know we would have had an all-out nuclear war with the Russians. And he questioned them about it. He asked them, who's running those gun emplacements? Are those Russian gun crews? And if they're Russian gun crews, isn't that going to make Khrushchev go into to Berlin? And they weren't able to answer the question. And so he said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do something else. And he did the embargo. And, you, you know, if you're president... Part of your job is to listen to your bureaucrats, listen to the experts, but do your own research and make up your own mind. And I don't think that President Trump had the had the discipline or some other quality to be able to to really get in the ring and fight with his bureaucrats. And uh, we he ended up caving into them, and you know we ended up. Just another four years of swamp, and I really want to change that. What about the Biden administration, sir? Uh, they say that that $6 billion in Iranian funds, that they can't get at it now, you know, pertaining to what happened last weekend there in Israel. The White House has treated Israel very tepidly over the last two and a half years, and they've also treated Iran with kid gloves. W- would you have done that differently? What's, what's your take on the Biden yeah. administration's foreign policy here? Uh, you know, I objected to that. I was the only Democrat who was objecting to the payments to Iran. Uh, I've, I've repeatedly requested that he uh, urge the president to be tougher on Iran. You know, we stopped enforcing the sanctions, and that made over $150 billion for Iran through its oil revenues. And it's used that to enrich uranium. So, you know, I I was not a big fan of President Trump, but he was able to keep the Iranians from enriching uranium. They were only 20 percent enrichment. Now they're 85 percent enrichment. They're they're You know, they're inches away from developing a nuclear bomb, which will be a catastrophe for the region, a catastrophe for the world. And, you know, come any the supreme ruler of Iran is uh, is one of the smartest political figures to the, the political leaders alive today. He's playing three-dimensional chess while everybody else is playing checkers. And every inch that we give him, it pushes back. When we respond softly to Iran, Iran comes back and, you know, does and, and uh, uh, funds Hezbollah, funds Hamas, and, uh, and enriches uranium. And it's really, and you know, their Iranian government is genocidal. They want to wipe uh, Israel off the map. And uh, Israel's our oldest ally. Israel is the most important ally we have in the Mideast. It's our aircraft carrier in the Mideast. If Iran succeeds in weakening Israel, who is the beneficiary? China, who is Iran's partner. Iran already has Hezbollah in Venezuela. So Iran is controlling Venezuela's oil. 
there. They control. It'll allow the Chinese to control 90% of the oil in the world, and that is not good for us from a national security standpoint. That's why it's important just from a security standpoint to stand with Israel. Final question, sir. I'll let you go. Do you think you have a legitimate chance to win the White House as an independent going up against the likes of a, a Donald Trump and a Joe Biden? What do you think? I Listen, I don't run into any enthusiasm for President Biden. Uh, or really, um, I, what I hear is people saying, don't run as independent because you might hurt President Biden and then Trump will get it. But nobody's saying to me, you're going to hurt President Biden and he's a visionary leadership who has the vigor and strength to uh, to guide America during a time of, of, uh, of desperate need for strong leadership. So I don't think it's a good thing. I don't think the American people are just going to continue to respond to fear. I think they need something to hope for. I think people want a vision, and they, the two leaders who are running today have had a chance in office, and they want another choice. You know, in uh, when when Ross Perot ran, he at one point had 39% of the votes, so he was ahead of both Gore and Bush. If the election had been held that day, he would have won. But he withdrew from the race because his daughter received a threat, and then he got back in, and he never got higher than 19% when he came back in. So I do think it's possible for an independent to, and I think that the all the omens and the signs and the landscapes today make it much more likely that an independent can win. And I, um, I, you know, I don't think the American people might sense is that Americans do not want just the choice of President Biden and President Trump. So I'm optimistic. Thanks to independent presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. for the chat on the Inez Says podcast. That's going to wrap it up for today. Join me on the radio every weekday morning. Orlando's Morning News with Scott Inez, 5 to 9 a.m. on WDBO 107.3 FM and AM 580. I'll see you next time.